Welcome in. It is the 731 Today podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Taylor. A brand new podcast here in West Tennessee, highlighting all things 731 and beyond. More importantly, the people, the stories, that's what we all care about. That's what we'll be talking about right here on the 731 Today podcast. Again, I'm your host, Jordan Taylor. Today's guest, the first guest on the podcast. We're very excited about this. Luke Brown. Luke is the operations manager at Forever Communications, which is where we are recording this podcast. Luke, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining man, the program. It's an honor uh, to be your first guest. I, I'm, I, I feel privileged. Hey, uh, I'm really, really excited to talk with you. Obviously, an interesting story that you have. And uh, again, just to kind of highlight what we're going to be doing, we're going to be talking to several guests here uh, in the 731 and telling their stories because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear the stories of the people and uh, really not only business owners, maybe some coaches, maybe some uh, some other folks out there, politicians may join yeah. the, the show at some point. So really excited about that, and I appreciate your help with uh, getting this off the ground. I, I feel good that you want to hear my story. Hey, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. Well, let's start with this. Obviously, um, you are the operations manager here at Forever Communications in Jackson, and I want to start with this. What brought you to Jackson? Football <laughs> actually brought me. when uh, I know when – People talk about going to college and playing sports in college. It's about getting the education. That's what you tell everybody. I was a, a student ambassador as well at Lambeth University, and that's what I tell everybody. Well, I came up here because of the small school atmosphere, and that was really secondary nature. Like Really, football was my primary interest. I wanted to play sports in college. Um, I played baseball from the time I was old enough to carry a bat. So before I could walk, if I could swing a bat, I was playing baseball. And played baseball all the way up through high school and started playing football when I was in seventh grade. And when I started looking at colleges, I wanted to I wanted I wanted to play somewhere I could play sports. You know, whether it was baseball or football, I didn't care. I just wanted to play ball. And so I started looking at baseball schools and, and who I wanted to go play for. And Alabama was number one on my list because I'm a huge Alabama fan, but I also really respected the Alabama baseball program at the time. My second choice was Kentucky. Wow. Because Kentucky had a great baseball program in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, and I wanted to be a part of that. Got accepted to both of those schools, but they weren't looking for me for athletics because, let's face it, there was not a star beside my name. <laughs> that um, makes a big difference. But I found Lambeth. My dad had done some business in uh, in Jackson, Tennessee with um, with uh, a guy up here, and he was like, listen, I know your boy's looking at college where he can play ball. He said, look at Lambeth University. And my first trip, and I, I'm from a very small town yeah, in Alabama. That's what I want to back up to, yeah. I'm a very from a very small town in Alabama, population like maybe 800. Like, I don't even know if we reached that unless we were in school, yeah. you know. K through 12, small town, um, just, just small town life. And I, when, I, when I went on campus at Alabama, I was like, this place is huge. I'm going to get lost. <laughs> when I came to Lambeth, uh, you've seen the Lambeth University campus. Yeah. It's it's all well within, you know, two city blocks. I mean, you know, I was like, this is somewhere, number one, I'm not going to get lost, which was my first. And, and number two, I was like, this reminds me of my home. It reminds me of my hometown, just a small uh, atmosphere. I think we had 1,200 students at any given year where I was when I was attending and then I was like, I can play ball here. Like, mm -hmm. there's an op it, not that I 
matched up to the caliber of athlete, but I was like, there's an opportunity for me to play mm-hmm. ball here. I talked to the baseball coach, uh, you know, not that he was recruiting me, but we'd had conversations and I told him I was interested. And then the football team found me and they were like, you want to play? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, to get you on priority, the mailing list, we got to put you first priority football. And I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine with me. And then they called and said, Hey, we can't offer you a full ride, but how about a, you know, we can offer you a scholar athlete, you know, so I got a partial uh, scholarship to play football at Lambeth university as a punter. And I was I, like, that started a, 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 a trip that I would never believe I'd be on because that introduced me to the Jackson, Tennessee area. And mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with the town, like from somebody who is from small town, Alabama, I've lived in Nashville at points in my life, but being in small town, Alabama, finding a place that I felt like I could call home, you know? Uh, for five years I was here in school and I would only spend like three or four months at, at a time a year in Alabama. So when I got out of, when I graduated school, I mean, I, I was looking for any job I could find mm-hmm. and there was nothing hiring up here. And I was like, it was to that point where you either got to find a job now so you can stay here or you got to go back home. Mm-hmm. And so I went back home and tried to find a job in radio could not find a job <laughs> in radio. Uh, the whole experience issue was what they, they wanted me to have experience. And I, I was in college learning the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> there was you got to no start experience. somewhere. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. So I ended up working at a convenience store for seven months. Um, and then finally got a job back up here and moved back. And I've been here ever since. Uh, so spring of 2007. Yeah. And and I've been here ever since. And that's, that's what got me to Jackson was just it, number one, Football, yeah. Number two, falling in love with the town because I could not wait to get back up here. Well, look, if you're from Jackson, if you know about uh, Lambeth University in the '90s, I mean, <laughs> Lambeth yeah. football was the staple. Yeah. Obviously, um, all I've been able to do is hear stories about that. <laughs> but even going into the 2000s, there was a lot of talent. And look, Lambeth was really good in athletics yeah. across the board. Across the board. And there's a lot of history there. And a lot that's brought a lot of people to Jackson, and they've ended up staying. Mm-hmm. Same story for you. You did go back temporarily, but you ended up coming back. So tell us a little bit about the the time at Lambeth, because I know it had to be fun with the, the talent you guys had in <laughs> athletics. But also, now that this, this has to feel weird, too, the school is now shut down. So... It's no longer. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's got to be different. Thinking about your time, there. it's weird when I'm. I don't. I'm not the guy that's going to hang my diploma on the wall. Right. But when I do <laughs> see it come out of a box every now and then, I'm like, oh, it's a relic. Um, it was really weird when when we got the notice that Lambeth was shutting down as an institution in and of itself. We were. It was just kind of a weird moment. It, like for me, it wasn't like I, I felt bad for the teachers and the faculty and the staff there, but it wasn't like a like a gut-wrenching thing. It was just like, oh, man, like a part of myself is closing. And as you get older, um, you'll see that happen more (laughs) and more. And it's not just with a school you attended. Sometimes it'll be a business that you you used to visit frequently, and and you're like, oh, you know? And it's just the the ebbing and flowing of time, you know? Um, But to see them kind of revitalized with University of Memphis purchasing the campus and the school and and retaining some of the teachers, I've been I've been fortunate enough to be able to go back and visit with some folks that, uh, um, if they weren't my own professors, like I knew them, 
So it's it's like it's been nice that they've been able to kind of keep that Lambeth atmosphere alive. And they've done their best with uh, Memphis has tried to keep some of the alumni coming back, you know, with like alumni days and stuff. And there's one coach you love to tell stories about, <laughs> one that you just you don't forget. Coach Vic Wallace, man, <laughs> he was he was the head coach at Lambeth while I was there. He had had uh, he's the most successful coach at Lambeth in, or Lambeth football, if I'm not mistaken, and just. The time I spent under Vic was uh, – it's really weird calling. It's always Coach Wallace. Um, but the time I spent there under him, he was he was great, man. Um, one of the reasons I decided on Lambeth was because of because of him. Um, Coach Hilly Walton was the guy that called and recruited me. But Coach Wallace, when I first met him, I was like, this is a guy that's going to care about me the way my high school coaches cared about me. You know, when you're, when you're playing – like I know you played at Southside High School mm-hmm. in Jackson, and the South Side of Jackson, the Bemis area, is its own little small oh, town yeah. within oh, yeah. a bigger town. So, so you kind of have that idea of the mm-hmm. small town football, mm-hmm. like because that's what Southside does. They shut mm-hmm. down to go to the ball game every mm-hmm. night. Those coaches cared about me the way my high school coaches cared about me. Like you know, so like there was like family. Mm-hmm. So when I met Coach Wallace, the way he talked to me, it was like he was going to take care of me. I'm. I'm only two and a half hours from home up here, but being away from home on my own, I needed somebody that was going to care about me. And uh, like I love Coach Wallace. When you're a kicker, you don't deal with the head coach a lot, but when he speaks, you listen. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so my favorite story is I, I came in my freshman year, and we had a, a kicker by the name of Mark Coleman. And I was I was taking a water break, and, and Coach Wallace looked up at me, and he said uh, – you know, Luke, uh, I know I know kickers, uh, you're kind of set and you kind of have your own thing and you don't like to be told what to do, but if you could kick like Mark, you'd be really good. <laughs> yeah, Coach, if I could kick like him, it would be great. It. <laughs> um, but, again, you know, uh, as kickers, we're a different breed, so when, we take, when somebody criticizes you like that, you know they don't mean it, oh, yeah. you know? So it's like we're used to taking criticism because, you know, when you're a kicker, you you don't set on set foot on the field much, but when you do, game's probably on the line. Oh yeah, so just a little pressure, right? People people pressure. will always have their input, and you yeah. take it with a grain of salt. and And the guys you listen to are the ones sitting next to you in practice. Yeah, you know the other kickers that can that can handle. But like Coach Wallace, when he said, "Man, he was so good," he he used to before games he'd get up. You like I'm a Chiefs fan too, so you know you see those clips with Andy Reid going, "How about them Chiefs?" Yeah. You know, Coach Wallace had to think. He go football fires me up, yeah, dude. That would get the whole locker room yeah. lit, man. We were ready to yeah. go. We would run through a wall for that man. Yeah, um, that's so. the connection you want to have too. It, exactly, yeah. and, and I couldn't have played for a better guy than Coach Wallace. And I'm so happy uh, about my time spent on the football field there because, man, you know, even when I was hurt. Or, you know, those they, those couple of seasons I was academically ineligible because <laughs> I was not the best student. Yeah. I was I was not a good student. I learned to be a better student, but there were like those middle years, man, I struggled. And uh, even when I was like, I couldn't play, he was like, you're still part of this team. Yeah. You know, like, we're still giving you scholarship <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah. We expect something out of it, you know, but he was like, you're still part of the team. Yeah. So I, it, to wear the blue and white for five years, man, it's, it's one of the, one of the proudest times of my life. Um, just cause it, it's, it started, it let me know I could do it on my own. Yeah. You know, 
That's a big moment in your life, too. Yeah. Transitioning from the high school to being out on your own, away from your parents. Yeah, and, and getting away. I know, yeah. I know, like, and I'm not, this is not a um, a criticism of anybody that stays at home and goes to school, yeah. but for me, I felt like I grew right. faster than I would have if I'd have stayed at home. Mm. You know, I had to learn how to do my own laundry. You know, I had to learn mm. how to, you know, um, if not prepare my own food, take mm. care of feeding myself. Right. You know, yes, I had the cafeteria <laughs> that I could go to. But I had to make sure, like, okay, if I wanted to eat, that was on me to make sure it got done. Right. You know, I didn't have somebody going, honey, it's time to eat <laughs> breakfast. Get up and eat your breakfast. Yeah, I learned, I mean, I learned how to, uh, you know, like, make sure that I didn't have anybody waking me up. You know, you didn't have anybody going, hey, you yeah, go get out class. of bed. <laughs> I had to go to class. I had to get up. I had to go to workouts. And and it was a, a, a significant time for growing in my life. And And then my brother joined me the next year. So I was able to kind of teach him, right. I was kind of bring him along. And we kind of, you know, he was there with me for the next four years. Yeah. So it was, it was nice having a friend again, <laughs> like, somebody, like somebody that I yeah. knew that I, well, I was going to be able to ride with. Yeah. Know? And I was, I went to college an hour and a half from home and same situation. There was a lot of people that went to that school that I was familiar with because I'd went to high school with them or mm-hmm. I'd went to, or they went to high schools that were close to me, whether it was in Jackson, whatever. So same, same kind of situation there. Um, let's go back to. Obviously, Lambeth played a big part in you getting here, mm-hmm. um, and then you mentioned you left and had to, and you came back and, and ended up getting a job. Let's go to the radio side. Yeah. So you talk about Lambeth, and what brought you to Lambeth was ultimately athletics and football. Mm-hmm. Um, when you got there, and this is this is a normal thing for a lot of college kids, I feel like, especially going on athletic scholarships. Was it just, man, I got I got to pick a major? I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, am I am I gonna, you know, am I gonna do this or that or like? For some reason, like teaching and criminal justice seems to be the most popular for athletes. <laughs> right. um, but for you, was it you knew what you wanted to do, or was it like, hey, I got to pick something? Well, so going into college, I knew exactly what I was good at. Not what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought picking your major was based off of something you were good at. And it's like, again, just things a 17-year-old kid thinks, yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm, I was good at math. Like, math was a natural for me. Like, I, I was I was a mathlete in high school. Like, I was a part of our math team, and I would wow. go around and compete on the state level in math tournaments in Alabama. And, and I wasn't the best on the team, but I was one of the top 10 people in our school with our math, with our math team. And... I would travel around and we'd compete in math tournaments. It was great. I loved it. Got into college and said, I want to be a math major. The one problem is, is there's pretty much like two things you can do with a math degree. (laughs) You can become a teacher or you can become an engineer. And it took me about a year and a half to realize, I don't want to do either of those things. Like, I don't want to be a math teacher. Like, for me, teaching was as far away from anything that I could imagine. I can agree with that. as an engineer, I was like, I'm not good at the other stuff. Yeah. You know, I was was good at math, but that's where it stopped. Yeah. (laughs) So, after taking two semesters of the math major type courses, like advanced math courses, I I was like, I can't do this. You know, that's when my grades started to plummet. I was like, you know what? I like software. I like computer software. Let me see if I can get interested in something like that. Bombed those courses. And I was like, this is not good. That led to the academic ineligibility. Was when you start failing classes in college, they don't let you play football anymore. Um, but it was, I, I took a, in, 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 at Lambeth, you had to take, like one of the parts of your core curriculum was you had to take a speech class. 
And guess what I found out I was really good at doing? Talking to people. Wow. <laughs> like, I was really good at giving speeches and maybe writing them, kind of whatever, but I was really good at talking to people. You kind of went off script, I'm sure. That's uh, what a lot of people do in speeches. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, like, I, I knew I knew the points I had to make, yeah. but I didn't write a speech. You didn't need all of it. I wrote copy points, yeah. you know? And as long as I looked up at the teacher and she said, okay, you're at your five-minute mark, I knew I could wrap it up. Mm-hmm. So I found out I was really good at talking and communicating, and I was like, okay, what could I do with this? And I just happened to visit that professor one day, and I was like, what are some career paths I could go into with a communications degree. And she pulled up this poster that was on her door and she said this, and she drew this big circle around all these different professions. And I was like, one of those will work. (laughs) If I could find something (laughs) in there, I know I'm good at this. I can have fun with these classes. I I looked at the curriculum and that was the, that was the start of the whole radio thing. Um, and radio wasn't even in the picture there, you know, um, I just, I, I saw the opportunity to do something with something I enjoyed. And so I, I went and changed my, my uh, major that day. I went to the, I went to the administration building and I was like, I want to change my major to communications with a concentration in media and film. And cause I was like, that's the stuff I'm going to enjoy. And, and my dad always said, you know, and it's, it's, it's not his own, it's not his phrase. It's not his quote, but he, he, I remember him looking at me, he said if you like what you're doing, you're never going to work a day in your life. And I was like, well, I'm going to find something I like doing. Right. And if I like something in this area, it's going to be a breeze. And not that working in radio for the last 17 <laughs> years has been a breeze, but I've enjoyed doing it. Um, the irony behind me getting into radio is the fact that radio has been a part of my life since I was a child. And I, it, it never occurred to me as a career when I was – in my younger years, my um, my uncle call, did play-by-play for Wayne County sports, so basketball and football. He did play-by-play for the radio. And my dad, when pre-me, when, when he was uh, before me, he would he would help out a local radio station doing sideline coverage for football games. My uncle, the guy that was married to my uh, uh, dad's sister at the time, owned a radio station, did a morning show. I've been around radio my entire life, and it never once occurred to me to get into that as a career till about midway through college. And and the the thing that got me into it is the strangest thing ever. It wasn't like doing a radio interview for sports or anything. It wasn't seeing uh, Diamond Dave McCauley doing our play-by-play. It wasn't any of that. It was uh, one summer, tornado sirens go off back home. And, you know, when we're expecting severe weather, we go to my grandmother's house because she's got the basement, you know. And we're sitting down there. All the kids are down in the basement with the radio on. All the parents are upstairs watching the TV, looking out the front porch at the storm, right? And the guy on the radio was sitting there in, in a calming voice saying, here's where the storm is. Here's where it's headed. If you're over here, you can expect it in 10 minutes. If you're here it's going to come at you in about five. If, and, it, and he was in such a calming way, protecting everybody from the storm. I was like, that's what I want to that's do. That's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. So whenever there's severe weather in the area, where do I want to be yeah. in that studio? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's kind of, I, I wanted, I was like, I want to be that guy on the radio. And I remember radio personality was on that list on that poster. Yeah. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I still studied film stuff. 
you know, I still had my film courses, but really that's when I really started to focus on radio as a potential profession, not just as a course of study, but as a potential profession, but midway through college. And I was like, I really devoted myself to it. Now that was my next question. You kind of started it for me there. When did you realize, okay, when, when you get into radio and you realize you want to do radio, man, I may have to act as somebody else. I may have to be this other person. <laughs> I Let's have, go there next. I've done that my entire life. There are people. It's like an acting job, right? It really is. Yeah. Uh, there are people who have known me all my life. And, and if it's family members, they know I was always the entertainer, you know, but there are people who know me when I was in school and they were like, you always seem so shy and you're so quiet. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I'm not saying like, I've always had two sides of my personality, the quiet side, the more reserved side and the entertainer. Yeah. And the entertainer came out when I knew I had to put on, like, I knew I had to be the life of the party, you know, like I, I, had, to, had turn to be the switch on. I had to be the center of attention, right. you know, for lack of a better word. I needed that. So it's like there was parts of me that could be quiet and reserved, and then there's other parts that had to turn on that switch and be the entertainer, or turn on the switch to be the quiet guy. I learned that from school because a kid with ADHD, <laughs> you got to learn how to be quiet and listen, mm -hmm. you know. So sometimes you have to take on another persona to to be on radio. And and it, again for me, like you know, I like to be. I like to have those times when I'm just quiet, reserved, but that guy is not going to be on the radio. That guy's he's the guy that sits at home and yeah. plays with the kids, you know? So well, let's transition into the guy that is on the radio because we've talked about the operations side yep. here at Forever Communications, but you're also on air on the morning show on uh, Froggy 104, mm -hmm. and then you also um, do some ads. Of course, you produce some ads for some of our commercials that play. So uh, tell us a little bit about that and maybe how that got started. I know you didn't start in the mornings. So you've told me this story a <laughs> oh, few oh, times. Oh, Tadpole, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't even start as him. When I first when I first uh, made my way into radio in, in Jackson, uh, I was on uh, Z105 back when it was on the air uh, as, as Luke Sharp. You know, I did mornings. My first bat out of the box, morning radio. Um, voice tracked on heck of a uh, way to start. Voice tracked on ninety two three in the in the evenings from seven to midnight, and about a year into the gig, um, they were making some changes and said, "Hey, what do you think about coming over to Froggy in the afternoon?" So I was like, "You kidding me? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing mornings on a six thousand watt stick um, with Z one hundred five, but man, the chance to come over to a hundred thousand watt Froggy one hundred four, uh, man, I was I was like." That's that's the for me uh, in the building with Froggy for a year. That was still the big time, man. Uh -huh. and I was like, oh, yeah. So I started in afternoons, and and it was there for for a few years uh, before making the transition to mornings. I've uh, done you know, mornings and afternoons uh, together on Froggy for almost sixteen years. What's it like having to wear both hats? Because you you've kind of talked about it. You, <laughs> you said that people know you. Some people know you as Luke. Mm -hmm. Some people may know you as Tad. Uh, for me, it's Tad because yeah. <laughs> that's I listen to. You. I've, I've Man, told when, you this before. I listened to you when I was in middle school. When when so. we when we first started working together, and you were like, <laughs> I used to listen to you when I was in middle school. I was like, ouch. <laughs> and 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 for me, that is it's a compliment because this day and age, man. To be on one radio station for 16 years is that's impressive. It's it's not it's not common, um, but we there have been there have been some jocks in Jackson who have stayed for 
long stretches of time on one station consecutively. And and I, I think that's a testament to the listeners in West Tennessee that that enjoy listening to us and and whatever station we work for. Yeah, you know, but the, the longevity is really a fact that um, that people want to want to listen to us and uh, to see a, to see a generational thing with some kid that was in middle school <laughs> listening to me now working alongside me. Man, it's uh, I thought you were a lot older though. I told you that. <laughs> when you you know when you're twelve, and everybody 11, sounds and, like they're fifty. Everybody sounds like they're fifty, and then I I start working here, and I'm like, that's who that is, and he's not. Did he just like stay the same age for ten years? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but uh, but uh, wearing the two hats, man, I, it's not been easy. Yeah. Um, there was a period of time recently. I'm not, I'm not, not, not too recently, but there was a period of time where I was kind of having an identity crisis, where it was like, you know, I have, I have Luke, and then I've got Tadpole, and. For so long, they were kind of merged and you got together. And husband. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they were, for so long, both of those guys were merged together. Yeah. And then there was a point in, in the last couple of years where they started to separate. Yeah. So I started having like kind of like a, a social anxiety. So when Luke would go to the grocery store, Luke was terrified. Yeah. You know, I did my best to get from point A to point B. The thing that kind of helped was when, if, and it doesn't happen all the time. But if somebody recognized me as Tadpole in the grocery store, and hey, Tad, how's it going? I could flip that switch and go yeah. back to Tad. And it, he kind of yeah. saved me getting through the store. Yeah. So it was like there was a part where Luke was having a really hard time. <laughs> but Tad was able to kind of cover that up a little yeah. bit and kind of help me through it. So yeah. it's like I, I still refer to both of them as separate entities. But they're starting to merge back together. <laughs> I think it's kind of a cheat code, though, because depending on what people call you, you know how long they've known you. Yeah, oh, yeah, no so doubt. you can remember how long you've known I, them. And, and I, there, I've got family that calls me Lucas because that's my given name. Uh, there are people who call me Luke because they know me since I've been up here in Jackson because I started going by Luke in college. Um, and then there are people who know me as Tadpole. And it's like I know – how you know me based on what you call me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. looking at um, the operation side, I know we've been going back and forth. What are some things, um, maybe not only on Froggy, because I know you're on Froggy as a talent, on-air talent, but what are some things that are going on here um, at the stations and some things you're excited about uh, being just kind of overseeing the operation side? Well, man, I it, all of it. I for being in rate on the radio side of it for so long, that's all I had to focus on was just doing my job and turning the microphone on when I needed to. When I got the job as operations manager, then I started to see all the stuff that I didn't have to worry about. Um, we just launched a new sports radio station. And I mean, obviously just the first part of this conversation, I'm very passionate about sports. Oh yeah. You know, as a ball player, that was, that was my life for so long. So, and I may not keep up with it as much as I used to, but it's you know it's always been a it's always been that um what I, it's the mashed potatoes you know for me like it's that comfort food like when i can sit down and watch a ball game baseball football or whatever it is like for me it's mashed potatoes man it's just it's something that i can just like it's comfort food yeah. it, it brings me back to oh it just makes me feel good yeah. right um we're also, you know, getting more into the digital stuff, video production. And remember, I was a, a film major, you know. Like, so, so that kind of gives you that. It's like well. I, I, I've been able to exercise that muscle that has been dormant for so many years. And, and, and getting back behind a camera or even on the computer editing, man, 
it's it's something I haven't used in so long, but it's something I'm still passionate about. So I'm really excited that we're starting to get into more of that stuff. Um, but it's it's I'm I've never liked to be um, the rah rah guy. Like when I was playing ball, even as a senior, I was never like uh, I wasn't the guy that's going to wear the C on my chest and be like, "Follow me, boys." Yeah, I was the kind of guy that was like, "I'm gonna work hard." And if you work as hard as me, we'll be just fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I led by example. So, so up here as as a, as a leader, that's what I try to do. Like, I mean, I try to work as hard as I can to say, "Hey, you do what I'm doing. We'll be we're, just we're fine. We'll be fine." Well, we I got a couple more things. I, I don't think we can end this without uh, these two things. First thing is on the this is this is a podcast about the people and their stories, and we've talked a lot about your career, but on the dad side and on, <laughs> and at home as as the husband. Obviously, this is a uh, career that you we've talked about. You wear a lot of hats. You got a lot of things going on. Um, I know one particular reason that you stayed in Jackson was because of the lady that you call your wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tell me a little bit about being uh, being husband to Haley and also being dad to your kids. This is gonna be the emotional side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Haley was the reason I stayed. You know, she's a Jackson native, and uh, when we started dating. I was going through a really bad time. And well, before we started dating, I was going through a really bad time. And, uh, when I, the first time I met her, man, it was, she put me in my place. <laughs> I love this story. I love <laughs> like, this story. We, we had, we had a lot of mutual friends and, uh, we like to frequent a karaoke bar here in Jackson. Um, and our, our mutual friends kind of pushed us together and like, Hey, you need to meet. And so when I, when I met her, I was like, Hey, you know, what's your name? She's like, my name's Haley. I said, what do you do? She's like, I work at Aeropostale. And I was like, Oh, sweet. It's good to know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Cause you know, I'd always pronounced it that way, but I was always told I was wrong. And she's like, what do you do? And I was like, Oh, you don't know who I am. <laughs> uh, and I say that it wasn't me being, you know, arrogant. Just or, everybody knew you. Everybody knew who I right, was, right. you know? So I was like, oh, you don't know? And she's like, no, who are you? I was like, well, I'm Tadpole. I'm Froggy 104. She's like, and? And I was like, I'm probably going to marry this girl. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I left that night with a friend um, and I, I, I told her, I, I, I was with a female friend, but I wasn't like, we were just hanging out, you know? And, and, and she had driven me to the bar, so she was going to drive me back home. And I told her, I said, all the tough times I've been having lately, that girl can put a smile back on my face. Mm -hmm. She can she can give me my smile back. Yeah, and she did, and we got married uh, almost a year later. Um, just one of those whirlwind type things. You needed it, and I, in it was, that moment, it was it was the right time, and right place. It was it was it was meant to be. Uh, we've had rough times since. I mean, <laughs> at any given point, either one of us wanted to walk out and. <laughs> We chose to stay together, and we've been uh, together, married for uh, since 2009. I'm not going to try to do the math. But yeah. We got married in 2009. We've been together since. We got three wonderful kids um, who are simultaneously uh, horrible kids. One who had a birthday. They're just kids. Yeah, um, Brooklyn just celebrated her 12th birthday. The twins are now six, um, and man, it's. You're a dad, and yeah. as 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 Sylvie gets older, you'll you'll see everything I've gotten to see, um, from you know those first diapers to the first steps <laughs> are a chore, and then you get through the potty training years and the and the learning 
how to write and um and then you start to compare your kids against one another <laughs> <laughs> like but it's it's each kid is their own like, even the twins are so unique that it's it's every kid is different and there's such yeah. a joy and um it's been it's been fun you know hard times again man you know with three kids uh it's not the easiest walk in the park you're trying to manage schedules and you know, me working up here is not the easiest schedule yeah. to work with. Um, so you try to manage what you can to, to spend some type of work-life balance and uh, um, just to just to see that my kids are healthy and happy for the most part. You know, that's all like dad can ask for. When I go home, man, I'm not, I'm not Luke. I'm not Tad. I'm, you know, I'm dad and it's. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really okay. I, I tell you what's really cool to me um, is you like to talk about your kids on air. Yeah. And going back to what I just told you earlier, or I've told you before, but earlier here on the program, um, listening to you over the years, first it was stories without kids. Yeah. And then it was stories with Brooklyn. And then adding the twins, man, it is really cool to to keep up with that. And they listen to that. You've told and me that, that was and that was a that was a very conscious choice because at first, you know, I I really didn't want to bring my personal stuff onto the air um, because I was like nobody's going to care about people, me. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's a consultant told me they're like it's a part of who you are. Why yeah. would you hide that? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know. And for the longest time, I didn't even say Brooklyn's real name on the air for first couple of several years. You know, I was trying to. It's like I was trying to keep that part of my life private. And then I realized, like, you know, no nobody's gonna. You're on the family station. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, it's like <laughs> I was like. It, it it made it, it it made me realize that people they they do care you know they they want to like they don't want you know the guy on the radio to just be this robot you know mm-hmm. they want him to have some they want to know what's going on in his personal life to a point you know mm-hmm. they don't want to hear every time I've had a you know a, a bad day and you know, <laughs> I was crying and but like the good stories you know the good stuff I mean I've got. <laughs> I have gotten so much airtime out of the the ridiculous stuff my kids say, yeah. and it's just it's it's fantastic. And they like to listen to you in the school line, like and on they, the way to they, school. I, I they Try they to. listen <laughs> they listen to daddy in the school line. They don't like to necessarily. Like the one day, uh, one day, uh, uh, Haley was dropping the twins off at school, and I was talking about Lucas, uh, the boy twin, and. And Daily called me. She was like, Lucas was like, I don't want daddy to tell stories about me no more. <laughs> it was a cute story. I can't remember what he, he was like. He didn't like being talked about, yeah. you know. So I, I try to temper that. Lucy, she says stuff all the time. She don't care if she hears her name on the radio. Um, and Brooklyn's just grown up used to it, man. Yeah. And, you know, so I've been talking about her since she was born. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm proud of all three of my kids. Um, I do have a favorite. Um, it varies at times. It's not, it's not one favorite. So, and I tell them that, (laughs) listen, I've got a favorite. It just, it It depends on the week. It depends on the day, man. (laughs) Uh, so you got to do what you can to earn it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) If you all work together, you'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is the way I want to wrap up all of our, um, seven through one today podcast that we do. Of course, this is the first episode. We appreciate you guys that are listening to this. Um, but I want to talk about, this is the final question I think I'm going to have for every guest. If you weren't doing what you were doing, 
what is that other career? What is that job? Oh, you know, everybody yeah. has like the car yeah. that they always want to drive or always wanted. Like, everybody has the favorite food and everything. <laughs> Let's talk about what you're doing now. Obviously, some people may say, well, this is what I really wanted to do. So we can transition that question into what would be the second thing. Either way, if there was another career that Luke would be doing, what is it? I want to be a coach. Like, more specifically, a kicking coach. You know, as a, as a kicker for five years at Lambeth, um, I, I began working with a, a woman by the name of Carol White, who was the first woman to ever coach on a Division I NCAA staff back in the 80s with Georgia Tech. She left because the NCAA started instituting some rules where you had to, you couldn't coach and were in clinics in the summer. So like recruiting practices and stuff. Right. So she was like, you know what? I'd rather do that than coach at Georgia Tech. So I started working with her in uh, 2002, 2001, 2002. And I would, I would coach kicking, kicking clinics across the Southeast. I've been to Ole Miss, Auburn, uh, UCF, um, Jacksonville State down in Alabama. I mean, I've been to several so places. And, yeah. and that's all like passing on knowledge. I think is really what it came down to, man. We've seen the kicking game kind of take take a weird turn in the last couple of years. You know, uh, people talking about wanting to you know do away with kickoffs, and then you know you've got moving extra points back in the NFL. It's like they're it's almost like they're trying to strip the game of that. But I want to pass on that knowledge because there's nobody, there's not a lot there's of people not. doing that. Um, so if I, I like I, I told my brother, there's money, there's no object. Like we hit the lottery or whatever, I'm opening up. <laughs> a kicking clinic, like just to that, because that's a passion of mine is is being yeah. able to pass along that knowledge to and young to get more kids involved and get more kickers interested yeah. and involved in it and yeah. and teach them the right way to do it. Yeah. You know, like they say, there's no one right way, but there's a wrong way. Yeah. Teach them how not to do it the wrong way. Uh, so that's that's I think that's what I'd want to do is is be a kicking coach somewhere, like whether it's a traveling coach or at a school or whatever, that's what I want to do. That'd be really cool, of course. Uh, well, Luke, we appreciate it, man. This has been a great conversation today. Thanks, thanks for being thanks for being the first guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I, yeah. I, again, I, I I feel honored that you want to hear my story. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I, that's what we're going to do here. This is the 731 Today podcast where we're going to talk to all people in the 731 about their stories and what they have going on, whether it's work, whether it's uh, other things, you know, regular home life. Uh, that's what this podcast is for, is to really highlight the individual, give them the opportunity and the platform to tell their story. This is the 731 Today podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Taylor. We'll see you next time.